the desert. A never-ending wilderness, barren and desolate. But even here, if you look closely, there's life to be found. These are yucca brevifolia, better known as a Joshua tree. This single tree could be hundreds, even thousands of years old. And that's because what you see is only part of the story. Underground, there's a massive network of roots going down to water, pulling that water out of the ground and storing it in the tree, keeping the tree alive, resilient to the desert wasteland. In the world today, one in eight Christians are discriminated against, oppressed, even attacked, just because they follow Jesus. They are desperate voices crying out in a dry land. When I became a Christian, my beliefs turned against me. I no longer belong. In China, the government installed facial recognition cameras in our sanctuary. That camera can gather the private data of our church members. They will intimidate them, they will prevent them from going to church. That means We know from this year's World Watch List that 340 million Christians live in places around the world where they are discriminated against or persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. That number is hard to imagine, hard to get your mind around but we know that God is faithful. In the book of Isaiah, God tells his people, I will make new ways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In midst of persecution, churches are growing more. Through the persecution, God is making the church grow. We are so united together like never before. We have a revival in our church, even in the severe persecution. God has sent a river into the wilderness, and his people are resilient. Like the Joshua tree, they're living boldly in the desert, and they depend upon the church, the roots of his family, for water and support. They are so encouraged by Christians around America. Pray for them, really care for them. It's like a body of Christ. When you read the 2021 World Watch List and let it touch your heart, when you commit to pray for your brothers and sisters who are persecuted around the world for their faith, you're helping God make rivers in the desert and helping his children to stand strong for him. The prayer is the core. When you don't know anything, just pray. When you don't understand anything, pray you will understand. Open Doors has been called into this work to strengthen God's people in the desert and to help them overcome the odds. Will you join us? If you would, turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians and... Interestingly, today, on this day that we celebrate our independence, mostly of all, I think we celebrate our freedom, the liberty that we have, the ability for us to do what we are doing right now. To think about the, the reality that there is most in, or maybe many in the world that don't get this freedom. Not in this way, not, not, not again to... to be able to meet and gather without threat of uh, the, the government or even those around you persecuting you. So when I think about 2 Thessalonians, I think in many ways, it's exactly what Paul was writing to them about. The church in Thessalonica was experiencing great persecution, like extreme persecution. In fact, uh, one introduction of the letter wrote it this way, that this letter from, Apostle, from the Apostle Paul was probably written shortly after his first letters, right after we, the one we read last week, studied last week to the church in Thessalonica. He had been boasting of them to other churches, telling of their faith and their love for each other in the face of persecution. 
So Paul reminded them that God will repay their persecutors. He also addressed in these chapters two recurring problems in the church. First, they were concerned that the Lord had already returned. They're, they're afraid that he already come back. Paul urged them not to become shaken in mind or alarmed, feeling that the day of the Lord had already come. Second, he admonished them not to be idle, commanding them that if anyone is not willing to work, let him not even eat. So as we consider this day, this July 4th, Independence Day, day we celebrate freedom, we celebrate the beginnings of this nation, we certainly appropriately focus on freedom. But I want to just, just briefly for us to contrast freedom and persecution, right? When you come to Christ in freedom, you're celebrated. Like, did we, wait, we stood and applauded at Nikki, right? There were all of us in the room applauding and said, praise God that this happened. When you come to Christ in persecution, you are abandoned. When you're baptized in freedom, you're applauded. When you are baptized in persecution, you're accosted. When you attend worship in freedom, you lift your voice and sing praises to God, hoping that, that others around you will hear of these praises. When you attend worship in persecution, you often lower your voice gathered with brothers and sisters in persecuted places around the world where we have simply whispered songs. Because we gather with this kind of freedom, we want to choose to use our freedom to honor those who don't have it. Chuck Lawless uh, is a professor and a an article writer, almost daily. He says this, thinking about our freedom. He says, many of us have more Bibles in our homes than we have people, right? We have the entire scriptures in the English language, which is a gift available to only about 700 of the more than 7,300 languages in the world. In one sermon, we hear more of the word than four billion people in the world are likely to hear in their lifetime. It's generally not dangerous for us to initiate a conversation about Jesus to our neighbor, to our coworker. We have little fear that our church buildings will be destroyed this week because we gathered here. I, I have the freedom to, and the opportunity for that matter, to get extensive pastoral, biblical, theological training. And on the other hand, many pastors around the world lack basic theological training. In fact, some studies say that from 60 to 85% of pastors have no basic Bible training. Eight, like, even if it's the low number, 60% of pastors in the world have no biblical training. Most of us have never been persecuted for our faith. We generally have freedom to gather publicly as believers. We, we sometimes talk about our freedom as Americans, though, while living in bondage to our own sin. In some cases, our ongoing private sin, it haunts us on the inside while we celebrate this freedom on the outside. Our grouping sin keeps us from truly celebrating freedom that is found only in Christ. And Christ does offer us freedom from our controlling sins. Hear this, church. Certainly, we're celebrating a freedom that we have to worship, but I want you to hear this. There is a freedom that is found only in Christ. And if you are wrestling, or maybe you've given up on sin, and you're just allowing yourself to live in this sin, may today be the day that you set, by, by Christ's grace in you, that you are set free from the bondage of sin. Gospel grants us freedom, not just to walk away from sin, but to not even have to worry about death. Sweetly trusting in his every gift to us. 
Today is the day that we serve the Lord. So as we kind of maybe uniquely read through 2 Thessalonians, instead of just picking one portion of it, we're going to try to, again, we won't read all of it, but we'll try to cover the, the essence of the entire book. We'll not only allow Paul to give us points to ponder, but we will also allow the scripture to give us petitions to pray. So here's how this will work. We're going to look at 2 Thessalonians as a whole and try to learn more about what Paul was writing to them and thus now to us. And then after each point, we will have a, a brief time of prayer. And so when I call you to pray, I will simply be asking that, that you pray these, these ideas, these concepts. You can do that even out loud with your, your family. You can gather with someone here right next to you just for a moment. And then as that's happening, someone who has already been selected would, will come up to this microphone right here and will voice a prayer for us, kind of closing that time in prayer. And then we'll go to the next part of the scripture. I'm, oftentimes I would normally say, are y'all okay with that? And you would say, yes. And some of you would not speak at all. And uh, I'm not super concerned about that today. So we are gonna just jump right into 2 Thessalonians. I, I want you to hear this. Paul says this, and I can echo these words with great joy. Church is a gift worthy of thanksgiving. Paul writes this. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. I am abundantly thankful for Colonial Heights. I find myself talking about you often. I wonder if you are thankful for Colonial Heights. You know, used to, we would keep in our wallets pictures of our family, right? And, and uh, we would show everybody, oh, here's, here's my kid, here's my wife, here's my oldest child, my middle child, my youngest child, you know, whatever it is. Now we do that on our phone right? And so we, we flip through and we say, this is my family. I wonder, uh, are you that kind of proud of your church family? Not just in how we look or how we've grown or how we've aged, but that we would, we would celebrate each other. Do you, do you thank God for Colonial Heights? I do. Do, do you know other Christians around the world? Do you thank God for them? Do you know other Christians in persecuted parts of the world? Again, I am abundantly proud of our family and uh, the, the wallet that I would have to carry to show all of your pictures would not allow me to sit down. So I won't go about it that way, nor will I well, I do so with my friends and brothers around the world, but I am I'm thankful for brothers like Alan and Velodia and Omer and Sarah and Grayson and Timothy and Benson and Joseph and many more who aren't just living for Christ, they are living for Christ at the threat of their life. I lived have lived and are living through persecution for the sake of the name of Christ being made known. And so I want to call us as a church family to do as Paul did for the church in Thessalonica and simply to thank God for the bride of Christ that is around the world. So what I want to do now is ask you to simply pray a prayer like that, asking God, thanking God for the bride of Christ around the world. Maybe even turn with your neighbor and pray with them even now as one comes to, to close our time.
Heavenly Father, Abba Sheba Shamaim, we come to you now in praise. We're so thankful for this church. We're thankful for this building and the people that work hard so we can worship you every week by singing, by reading your word. Lord, we are thankful for so many churches around the world that can do this every week in so many different languages. Lord, so many different languages that, that only you can understand them all at once. Lord, we are thankful that some meet and worship you and serve you despite being at great risk. Even if they have to do it in secret, we are thankful that they understand and they value the importance of serving you over the risk. We pray for their safety. Lord, we are thankful for relationships that are created and forged among believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Relationships within churches and congregations. People coming together to support each other, encourage each other, hold each other accountable, joining forces to serve their community. We are thankful for these relationships that at times span over long, large distances over countries and even continents of believers working together to reach those who don't yet have this gift. We pray that we as a church and as a church body grow abundantly in our faith, that our love for each other continues to increase within the church and outside of it. We are thankful for you we love you and we are so thankful that you loved us first. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. The church is a gift worth, worthy of thanksgiving and grace is a calling worthy of suffering. Paul writes this in 2 Thessalonians chapter one, still looking in verses 11 and 12. He writes, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder today, as we, as we ponder and reflect and even rejoice in our freedom and the, the gift that we have to, to not have to suffer in this way, do you believe that following Christ is worthy of suffering? Like, do, have, you, have you bought in to the reality that suffering for Christ can be, is worth it? It's worth it. As we think about our brothers and sisters around the world who right now, or maybe even hours ago or hours from now, as they will gather together, they, will, they, won't, they won't be singing the Star Spangled Banner, but they will, they will sing of another, another banner that they sit under, the banner of Jesus Christ, the banner of their Lord and Savior and the resurrected one. And so what Paul says here is, to this end, we pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. So we wanna echo those words. We wanna ask God to make his bride, the, the church, both us here and those around the world, that we would be worthy of his calling. A calling of suffering for his name. So take time now to pray. Pray with your family and your friends around you as one comes to pray for us in just a moment.
Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning. And, and as we sang earlier, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. And you are that Lamb who is worthy of all glory and power and honor and all of our praise, Lord. It is why we gather here this morning, because you have had a desire, Lord, to be glorified among your people and to glorify yourself in us so that we might be um, granted this great salvation. And Lord, we are here this morning to thank you for that and thank you that you uphold all those who are faint and discouraged and Lord, who grow weary and um, who stumble and fall. Lord, you are the God who upholds them. And Lord, our brothers and sisters around the world, Lord, they, they face great troubles and great persecutions and um, things that we have not tasted of. But Lord, you are the worthy one. You are the God who uh, has created all things, stretched out the heavens to declare how great you are. And Lord, our brothers and sisters, Lord, we pray that they would see how great you are, that they would continually have Christ before them in their hearts and their minds, Lord, that they would treasure you above all things, even as they go through painful circumstances and um, or when they suffer for you, Lord, may they rejoice in the fact, Lord, that they identify with their risen Savior and their Lord. And I pray that you would help them to stand in the midst of those things and stand for, for your name's sake and for your glory so that many more people would see the worth of Christ and how great he is among all the nations. We pray this in your name. Amen. Certainly, certainly we, we think of the truth, right? The truth. We think of scripture and all that, that is contained in it. And what we know is that the truth is a guide worthy of holding. And why the, the truth is so important. Listen, listen to what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. He says, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Let no one deceive you in any way. Again, the people in Thessalonica were being deceived. They were being made to believe by others that, that Jesus had already come and had simply left them behind. They, weren't, they didn't make the cut. See, there's cunning work of the enemy taking place all around the world. There are lots of false teachers and false preachers. The, the false prosperity gospel, the, that is no gospel at all, is spreading like wildfire, especially in third world countries, even, even more so than it is in the U.S. So we, we must pray for our brothers and sisters who are going through difficult times, that they will not be lured away by the easier way, by the, the more uh, attractive way of thinking. And so what, what we're going to do now is I'm gonna ask for us to pray, to plead with God for our brothers and sisters around the world, that they will not be deceived by the false gospel, but that they will hold fast to the truth to what they know to be true set before them. So would you take time now to pray? Ask the Lord to help our persecuted brothers and sisters not to be deceived.
Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come together and worship you in this place. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And God, right now we focus on our persecuted brothers and sisters, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them right now. God, help them to cling to and hold to your truth. Help them to look to you, God. Look to you. Lift their eyes and look to you, God, because you are their help and you are their hope. Encourage them right now, God. Undergird them, Lord Jesus. Hem them in, Lord God, behind and before and remind them of who you are. I pray, God, that you would help them to be aware of the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. Because, God, we know that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I pray, God, that you will open up their eyes to your truth. Help them to see through spiritual eyes this very minute, Lord God. Open up their ears to hear your words, Lord God. Help them to close out all the noises, Lord God, all the distractions. And help them to be still in your presence and hear your voice, Lord Jesus. Undergird them, Lord Jesus. Give them your peace which surpasses all understanding. Remind them that you are with them, God. You are for them and that you will never, ever forsake them, Lord Jesus. And God, we bind all the schemes and the tactics of the enemy and we cast him away even now, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would flood them right now with your presence. Lord God, hold them very close to you, Lord Jesus. Remind them that you hold them in the very palm of your hands, O oh God, and that you are with them, God, and nothing can separate them from your love. Help them to be encouraged, God. Raise up men and women that can encourage them and speak life and truth to them. God, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you hear our prayers, and we thank you that you will answer them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This truth is a guide worthy of holding, and there is a hope that is a confidence worthy of possessing. I can only imagine the, the sense of hopelessness that would, that would be around for those who, who are being beaten or are in fear of their life. And so, so when Paul writes to the church here, he knows of this hopelessness, this potential for this. So he writes in chapter two, verse 14, to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Can you imagine anything more hope-filled than the coming of Christ? I mean, this is, what we, this is what we long for. This is how it, it ends, right? Even come, Lord Jesus. This is amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This is what we long for. This is what we say regularly. God, we, we want you to come and bring your people home. We want this. So, so if the people there thought that he had already come and gone, how hopeless that would be. Think then now for our brothers and sisters that are walking through these same treacherous waters that we would, we would say to them, that they would hear today that by God's grace that they would feel hope that Christ is coming for his people. To Christ's return will bring restoration, will bring rescue, will bring no more tears and no more cancer, no more death, no more coronavirus, no more ICU, no more racial tension, no more political divides, no more denominational arguments. This church is hope. Hope is in Christ. Our hope is not found in our nation because our hope is found in Christ who is for all nations. And so we, we pray, we plead. In fact, I thought about this even just moments ago as we were praying. 
we will have no idea the effects of our prayers today. We have no clue who, who by God's grace, through his spirit, the gift of prayer, that we're saying, God, give hope. That today there's someone on the other side of the planet who knows nothing about Colonial Heights, certainly doesn't know Chad Unsberger. By, by the power of the Spirit would, would give hope. They would look to the Word and find hope. So we're going to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to comfort our persecuted brothers and sisters with the hope of eternity. Because whatever they're going through right now is short. It's a light momentary affliction compared to the glory of all eternity. So we want to ask God to grant comfort by giving them hope of eternity. So take time now to pray. Father in heaven, as you hear our prayers, know that we love you, that we adore you, that our heart's desire is to truly bring you glory in everything that we do and everything that we say, how we live our lives and how we live out our faith. As we pray now for those who are living out their faith, around the world and even here locally and are truly being persecuted and enduring hardships. Help us to look to your word, to be encouraged, to know that you have us, you hold us, you keep us. Let us be reminded by your word that even you said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and blessed are the persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all sorts of evil things against you falsely for my own account for your reward in heaven is great Rejoice and be glad and remember that even the prophets were persecuted that came before you. Let that be an encouraging word for all of us, but especially those who are facing loss of some sort, loss of a job or loss of family or even loss of life. Let us and let them then stand before you if that is the case and look forward to hearing you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over little. You will make us ruler over many things. Father, you've gifted us with your gospel, with your word and with your love. Let us multiply it as you've asked us to to go and make disciples. And for those who are doing that, Father, thank you for keeping us, keeping them. Father, we love you and we thank you. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. This, this truth that we hold fast to is the, the word of God and the word of God is a gospel worthy of delivering. The word is a gospel worthy of delivering. And in chapter three, Paul writes, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happening, happened among you. We want it to move quickly. 
I remember walking through the, the mountains of the Himalayas, walking village to village in these unreached areas and realizing how long it would take for the gospel to get to these places. It's gonna take years of ongoing missionary involvement for these individuals to come to Christ and it hit me. The only way to speed this up is for more people to go. It's not, it's not gonna speed up in any other way. Language training and translation of scripture. So the only way for this to, to happen is for more people to go. So even now, as we ask the Lord to make the gospel move quickly, I'm asking the Lord to graciously call out some of us here at Colonial Heights to be sent out to the ends of the earth to speed this up. I want you to hear that, that I'm, I'm asking God to send you, to send us, because we want the Lord to make the gospel move quickly. Would you pray with me, asking God to make the gospel move quickly? Take time now to pray. God, thank you that you are not slow in fulfilling your promise to come again, but you're patient because you do not wish for any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And we know that day will come when we will see you face to face. So we come before you today with urgent hearts. Father, we ask that your word would speed ahead, that it would carry forth unhindered, God, we thank you that the fields are white with harvest, that the harvest is plentiful. But God, your word also tells us that how can they believe if they haven't heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? And how can they preach if they're not sent? So God, we are asking you, Lord of the harvest, we're asking for laborers to be sent out. God, we're asking that you might give us the joy, even from our own congregation, would you raise, out, raise up laborers for your field? We pray that your word would be honored in this way. And Father, I pray for each of us in this room that we would have ears to hear, that we would seek you, and that we would understand the part that you've called us to play and taking the gospel to the nations. God, we pray that, as Paul says here, that we would be a church that is doing and will do the things that you command. Father, we pray that the, the word would not be snatched by the evil one. We pray you would guard us against the evil one. God, we pray that persecution and tribulation would not cause us to fall away from what you have called us to do. God, we pray that the cares of this world and the riches of this world would not choke out the word, causing us to be unfruitful. But God, we pray we would be steadfast in Christ. May we be an army of gospel ambassadors. And Father, may our greatest joy come in being the feet that carry the good news of the gospel to others. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. There's a work to be done, been charged to work. They, Paul tells the Thessalonians to, to not be, or the Thessalonians, sorry, Thessalonians, uh, the Thessalonians to not be idle. He tells them not, not to, to be still, but to work. 
In fact, in, in chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly, to earn their own living. He says, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. We cannot be lazy. This is not an option. Church, stop being lazy. Don't be, don't be mad at me for saying this. This is scripture. We've got to demonstrate to our friends and our family around us that doing good, even, like, even doing our best is a necessity. We want to not be, be called to people who are still and idle. We want to do good for the glory of God. And that can be hard. For our brothers and sisters around the world, that can be hard, the, the, the temptation to just stop doing good. You can just get tired being the only one working. And so let's take time now to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to help our brothers and sisters not grow weary in doing good. Take time now to pray. Loving Father, thank you for the privilege of working in your kingdom. <clears throat> the work is great. It sometimes can be heavy for the persecuted church. Uh, they've given everything up, and they can become discouraged. So, Lord, we pray for them. Uh, they're looking for encouragement. So, Father, we pray these prayers may go off like arrows, hit their hearts, let them know, in fact, that the United States, that this church, that we personally will pray for them. And Lord, the work is not done when we accept Christ. In fact, the work begins. And Lord, help us that it may never be said about us, this church, that we're cowardly Christians, that we're lazy, complacent, that the work is secondary to our life and what we want to build in our own little kingdom. So, Lord, help us as the church here focus on the work that's to be done, the work that's left to be done. Uh, you said to your own apostles, the work the Father has given us to do, we must do while it's day. For the night comes when no man can work. And for us, that work of sending and going and giving and praying ends for us at the time when we either go to be with you or you come again. So we don't know how much time we have left to spread the gospel to the nation. So I pray, Father, we will be focused, that those in the persecuted church will be focused on the work ahead. And we'll look to you for the power and the glory for all of that, Father, so that you may seek the praise of yourself. In Christ's name, amen. The Lord is a peace worthy of having. He grants us peace. In fact, Paul, in his, some of his final words, verse 16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. What a gift that would be. Walking through trials. And, and the reality is, you, you know this. You might know a different type of trial, different type of struggle or pain or sorrow or suffering. But it is good that the Lord is with you. So this is what we're praying. We're asking for the Lord to give peace with his presence. We're asking God to give himself to his people. And we can pray this confidently, knowing that this is what he's already done. So, so let's go to the Lord now. Ask the Lord to give peace with his presence.
Lord God, because of your mercy and grace, we can have a relationship with you that gives us confidence that uh, your presence is always with us as individuals, as families, as a church family. And Lord, the prayers and the supplications that have been lifted up for the persecuted church, we do that with thanksgiving because of that relationship that you want to have with each one. And as you call them, we thank you for the gift of peace that we can unwrap that gift in all times. The challenges that we face here are the same challenges that they face in the persecuted third world or wherever it is, Lord, that uh, to be challenged and to be persecuted because of your faith and belief in Jesus Christ. Give them peace and give us peace. And we thank you because you are the son of the living God. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, for some of you here today, for most of us probably today, was drastically different for a worship gathering. It wasn't about you getting your fill. I certainly hope that you've been encouraged by the word, yes, encouraged by time of prayer, but the work of the church is, is about the, the body of Christ, not just this local body. And so we, we want to be a church who does the work of the church. We wanna read the word, we wanna pray to God, we wanna sing songs of praise to him. And some of you here today, you don't know this God that we just prayed to. And you, I want you to know that you too, you can have a church to be thankful for, to walk through life with. You, you can have grace that is necessary for life, truth that satisfies, hope that gives life, word that encourages you and corrects you, joyous work that pleases God and peace that passes all understanding. It is offered to you as a free gift the Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for you. You have, you have the opportunity simply to, to change your allegiance, right? On this day, we often speak of allegiance. You, you change your allegiance from your ways, your wants. You repent of those, and you change your allegiance to the ways of Christ, and no matter what suffering you go through, no matter what hardship comes your way, no matter what the government does, no matter what your family does, no matter what your friends do, no matter what physical harm comes your way, what mental anguish comes your way, there will be a hope that lasts for all eternity in Jesus Christ for you. So if you don't know this Christ, trust in him today. In fact, in just a moment, when we sing, I encourage you to, to make your way to this room. There will be someone who would love to, to tell you even more about this one who is the savior of the world. And if you know him, you know this one that is causing us to even to make this service something different, to, to call out to the creator and sustainer of the universe. If you know this God, then may your life reflect him. May our, may our lifted voices reflect his glory. In fact, in just like, not even a minute, we're gonna, we're gonna sing. So here's what I'm gonna ask. That in in honor of our brothers and sisters around the world who are having to whisper songs. Even if you don't know this song well, would you, with great joy in your heart, sing, like loud. Maybe you're that person who's like, I don't like to sing. Uh, nobody else wants to hear me sing. Yes, we do. We wanna hear the people of God, the church of God, vibrantly sing that the cause of Christ is worth it all. So even if you're usually that whisperer of a person, would you today make it your, your task to speak and sing 
cause of Christ. Responding now, would you stand with me? We would sing of the glory of God.